In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems, too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and, of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome back to another episode of That's What People Do. I've instantly started laughing because this is a long-anticipated episode. <laughs> I'm James K and I'm also joined by Ryan McGann as always. How are you, Ryan? I'm good, I'm good. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Much better for having this episode written. <laughs> so, if you listen to our part one of English monarchy, this is monarchies, monarch- kings, kings and queens, there you go, this is part two. Yeah, it's been a long it's time over. coming. I've been very vocal about the fact that this has been a fucking ball ache to write. It was a bad idea, and we're never going to do it again, because I just completely changed the way in which we go about episodes and the format of them, and <laughs> it made me realise the format that we usually use is is good, so we won't be trying to change that again. Yeah, well, in our, in our pre-recording chat, you said the line, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, and it certainly isn't broke, and if anything the way that I did this one is broken but hey don't let me tell you short this information is this information this uh, episode is full of lots of great information about the entire history of the English monarchy Ah, so if you listen to part one kudos to you we ended with I believe Henry IV coming to the throne so that's where we're going to pick up he came to the throne in 1399 that's it we've got over 600 700 years to get through Wow. And he gained the crown by usurping Richard II and therefore had to face the fact not everyone thought that he was the rightful king. And this sort of lasted for his entire reign. He wasn't really good at asserting control in Wales, but his son, Prince Henry, was a lot better at doing that. Sir Henry Percy, known as Hotspur, attempted an uprising against the king, but was killed in 1403 at a battle near Shrewsbury. During his later years, he became sick with what was believed to be leprosy. Uh, and he favoured the Archbishop of Canterbury who was beefing with Prince Henry and thus caused a lot of tension between the king and his son. 
Um, and it also included the king siding with the French faction. Oh my god, English king siding with the French. No, no. He died in 1413, and the rule passed to his son, who was now Henry V. I'm going to go ah. straight away here. We probably don't have time for a tangent, but... Uh, the Shakespeare play of Henry V, it, like, that's not historical. Don't believe that. Isn't like none of none of Shakespeare's history plays are accurate. They're massively embellished. They're, they're he takes like little facts and just really fucking overdoes them, which is great for theatre. I think Henry V is one of my favourite plays. It's really good. Yeah, I love it. But um, historically, it, it's it's not really great. It's thought that um, famously Elizabeth I was not a fan of Shakespeare and his plays. Um, and at one point, like, isn't doesn't his his things change? Like, he has like Midsummer Night's Dream and all the like fantasy stuff during Elizabeth's reign, and then when James the First or the Sixth of Scotland comes in, he then starts doing history plays because apparently James the First James actually really enjoyed the history plays. And this is the thing with Shakespeare; he'll always just do what the monarchy asks him to do. That's it. And apparently, like they're like, "Oh, I really like these history plays." And he's like, "Oh, if you like those, here's a bunch of them." And also, I've embellished them a bit to make you look better. This is why we'll get on to James the First in a little bit. He loved witches, and he was like, "Please, can you write something with witches?" And Shakespeare was like, "Yeah, cool." And he wrote Macbeth. Oh, right, yeah, and obviously a Scottish king. Oh, yeah, that would make sense. And, he, and obviously James I was Scottish. That makes a lot of sense. It was just a freelance, the original freelance. Right. The ultimate kiss-ass. Yeah, oh, yeah, well, made him money. Yeah, uh, if, if he was around today, he'd have microtransactions in his plays. No, oh, yeah, he'd have fucking <laughs> NFTs. Yeah, oh, in fact, we've got an episode on Shakespeare, haven't we? We do, one of our really early ones. Yeah, so uh, go back and listen to that. Um, mm. Right, sorry, Henry V, a very good king, apparently. Okay. He, he was a good king. I also didn't say this at the start. Um, we only did little key facts on every monarch, because otherwise this would go on for days. So, yeah, bear with me. Sorry, historians. Henry <laughs> V was a badass king. If you're English, if you're French, you probably don't see him that way. Um, he was unhappy with treaties in place in France, and he laid claim to French territories previously occupied by England. He was a really good tactician, and he gained naval superiority over the French. And like medieval time, kings rarely focused on sea power, but he sort of fully went for it. Mm. Whilst the English public loved him, his war strategies were also incredible. He put effort into securing French towns and garrisons, from which taxation was collected, and therefore the one, the the war sort of funded itself, as opposed to the previous kings who we mentioned in the uh, part one, who bankrupted the country just to be able to go to war. Yeah. Um. I'm not going to go into battle tactics, etc., even though that'd be cool. Um, but the Battle of Agincourt, if you are interested, is probably the one to go and have a look at. This is his most famous battle. His successes led to the French signing the Treaty of Troy, which meant that Henry would marry Catherine, the daughter of the French King Charles. And Henry was the heir to the French throne and his descendants thereafter. So France would therefore be under the English monarchy. That, However, is, a, that is a serious flex. Oh, yeah, he, he basically took France. Yeah, it's like, not only have I come here and, like, just annihilated you, your army, and now claiming your land as my own, I'm going to marry your daughter. Yeah, that's just the way it all worked, though, isn't it? Like, just marry, power marries power, power marries power, that's the one. Yeah. Um, however, Charles had a son, and he was like, um, what? So the war continued. The arguments are that if Henry lived longer, France would eventually have just become fully under English rule. However, he died in 1422 from typhus, or camp fever, as it was known at the time. And then he was succeeded by Henry VI. And this is where we get onto the War of the Roses. 
So before we start, Henry was proclaimed King of France due to his father's victories. However, in the end, throughout his reign, he lost control of France. So that's a shame for him. Wasn't like, sorry to interrupt. Wasn't Henry V's son like still a wee baby when he died? He was young, I think. I don't really have the age, but yeah, he was young. Yeah, I I, I think I remember him being really young. And then wasn't it? Isn't it in France? Isn't it the Dauphin? I feel like that's the word that gets used yeah, a lot. Yeah, Dauphin. The Dauphin was like. Listen, I'm not having... Because it was like, wasn't it promised? Yeah, like you've said, the son of Henry would be the king of France and England or something like that. And the Dauphin was like, no, fuck that. Like, it's just a kid. If I'm going to take it, I'm going to take it now. And then was just like, no, you're not having it. And unfortunately, Henry wasn't really as strong-willed as his father. Well, Henry VI for a bit of an idiot as well. Uh, I didn't really find anything of that. I don't want to slander the guy. Yeah. Maybe. Anyway. So, the next little bit... We get on to War of the Roses, which <clears throat> is probably the most complicated part of English history. But we've got to get through it. So the next bit, until I finish it, is written by my brother, who Ooh. is a historian. Nice, a little cameo. Yeah, because I didn't really know. He wrote this a long time ago for me, and I didn't really know how to, to go about it. So he has managed to condense the War of the Roses into sort of, a, I said, write it for a child. So this is <laughs> him explaining the War of the Roses yeah. to a child. <laughs> so, the War of the Roses began in 1455 and was a war between cousins fighting for the throne of England. On one side was Henry VI from the House of Lancaster, which is the Red Rose, and on the other side were his cousins led by Richard the Duke of York, which was the White Rose, famous images. The reason they were fighting is because Henry was a weak king, and some say he was even mad. Many believed he was unfit to rule and looked to his cousin, the Duke of York, as a potential new king. That really annoyed Henry's wife, Margaret of Anjou, who I believe was mentioned... Uh, Anjou was mentioned in part one somewhere, I think. She was a very powerful lady who believed her husband's cousins were no more than traitors. The war would divide England into Yorkists and Lancastrians. Basically, fucking northerners screaming at each other. Yeah. They would be many battles, but in 1460, at the Battle of Wakefield, the Duke of York was killed. That didn't end the war because Richard's son called Edward would carry on the fighting. He was helped by a man called Richard Neville, the Earl of Warwick, which I used to work in Warwick Castle. They have this whole display called the Kingmaker. Really cool. And as we've mentioned in podcast episodes before, you'd rather be the Kingmaker than the King. Always. This guy was like the fucking big Kingmaker. He was the one. It ended badly for him in the end, but for a time it was really good. Uh, and in 1461, they would defeat the army of King Henry at the Battle of Towton. <sighs> King Henry would run away, but was later captured and locked up in the Tower of London. And now Edward would become the king, and he was crowned Edward the Fourth. Ivy is fourth, correct? Yeah. Trying to work out no Roman numerals. There was still a problem, though, because Edward didn't have a wife, and finding a good wife to marry was the job of the king's most trusted lords. So Richard Neville, the Earl of Warwick, set off to find him a wife. He travelled to France, where he found a French princess for the new king to marry. However, while the Earl was in France, the king would fall in love with a lady called Elizabeth Woodville and marry her in secret. When the Earl returned and was told about it, he was really pissed off. Kings didn't normally marry for love, but instead they married for power and politics. As the years go by, the king would start giving lots of land and power to his wife's family, and he began ignoring Richard Neville, the man who put him on the throne. Oh dear. This made Richard extremely angry, as he believed the king was being ungrateful. 
He helped make Edward king, and he could probably kick him off the throne if he really wanted to. Sort of, I created you, I could destroy you, sort of. Yeah. Then, in 1469, the Earl had had enough. The king was pushing him to one side, so the Earl went out and had a secret meeting with Margaret of Anjou. He promised that he would betray the king and restore her husband, Henry VI, back to the throne. With all his plans ready in summer of 1469, the Earl would use his army to take Edward prisoner and make sure Henry was king again. However, there were still a lot of people in England who supported Henry, and they forced the Earl to let him go. Edward, now released, would go on another, would gather another army to defeat Richard Neville and take back the throne. So the throne's just kind of changing hands a lot here. In Easter 1471, there was a big battle called Barnet, where Richard Neville was defeated and killed. Oh dear, poor Richard. Poor Henry VI was removed from the throne and put in prison again, where he was sadly killed, some say, by Edward. After crushing the last of his supporters of Henry VI, finally there was peace in England. Or was there? Edward might have defeated most of the Lancastrians, but he didn't expect his own family to give him trouble. His own brother, George, the Duke of Clarence, believed that he should be king instead, so he would rebel against his brother. This did not go well for George because in 1478 he was executed for treason. Some say he drowned in a barrel of wine, which is how I want to go. <laughs> Over the next few years, Edward did what most kings did. When there was no war, he would just eat and drink. He became pretty large and suffered many health issues, and in 1483 was on his deathbed. There was a problem, as his oldest sons was too young to become rulers, and so before he died, his brother, Richard Duke of York, promised he would look after England until the boys were old enough. Richard would take the boys to the safest country and safest place in the country, the Tower of London, which was a grand palace back then. However, one night, both the boys would mysteriously disappear. No one knows what happened to them, and it's still a massive cause of debate today. Some say their own uncle Richard killed them in the Tower of London, so he could become the king, but others say that they were taken to another country for safety. There's so many sides to this, I'm not even going to get into it. Either way, they were gone, so Richard became king, and he became Richard III, really famous, made famous by Shakespeare, hunchback, probably didn't have a hunchback, but Shakespeare sort of went for yeah. it. He was also found in a car park in Leicester, I believe, yeah. a few years back, his bones. Um, he would rule for only two years, because in Wales, there was a distant member of the House of Lancaster who also wanted to become king. His name was Henry Tudor, and in 1485, he led a massive army to defeat Richard. They met at the Battle of Bosworth, where Henry would win and Richard was killed. Henry was then crowned as Henry VII of England and would end the war by marrying Elizabeth of York, one of Edward IV's daughters. By doing this, he would bring houses together under one badge, the Tudor Rose. Breathe. Ah. Oh, that's the War of the Roses. <laughs> Thank you to James's brother for writing that. Yeah, also, that is if crazy. if um, if at all, like you know, because there's a lot of names, right? If at all, the names are getting a bit like uh, and you need like a visual. The historian Dan Jones has a really good documentary called The Bloody Crown, um, and it's 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 really really good at like sort of it, it talks about the Wars of the Roses, and it's really good at sort of just putting faces to the names. So as James was saying this, I've like I've got pictures of who these people look like in my mind because I've seen the documentary. So yeah, check that out for sure. Man, the Wars of the Roses yeah, was insane. There's just so much. It's like a fucking film. And if you watched it, Christopher Nolan would have to direct it just to make it confusing. Yeah. It, <laughs> there's so many people just wanting power and it changed hands so many times. It was, it was just a really intense time to be English. How could, like... But, how, I don't understand. How could the lords... So, like, obviously the lords under 
Henry the Sixth and his court would be like, you know, at once once they would have said, "Long live the king, long live the king," and then the new king came in and they would have gone, uh, "Long live the king, long live the king," and then Henry came back and they were like, uh, "Long live the king again." Long, uh, <laughs> I promise, I didn't say it to the last guy. Looking after their own back. That's they? it, isn't it? It's like, oh, it's bad. Like 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 you said just before you started that. It's always better to be the kingmaker than the king itself. Although sometimes the kingmaker gets too greedy. Well, the kingmaker in this point put one king on, and then that king pissed him off, so he went back and put the other yeah. king back on. Yeah. And then, then he got That's like with presidents today, isn't it, in America, or even prime ministers in the UK. It's like, listen, no one can just run for these campaigns because like, it costs a lot of money. So you need backers, and these backers are the ones that sort of tell you what to say and where you want them to go. Mm. Like, so there's no there's no yeah. such thing as like a, a good president or prime minister. Like they're always backed by some twat. Yeah. So, uh, at the end of that, I mentioned the Tudor Rose, which if you studied Tudors in school, if you're in England, you probably have done, because everybody does. It's the white and the red rose, like, together. Mm. And that is the two roses of the War of the Roses combined. It's sort of like a really symbolic way of ending it. Yeah. It is interesting, like, if you are a history buff and you're in the UK, if you go about, uh, well, there's a lot of areas in London, but obviously they're dotted around the country, particularly somewhere in the north. If you find some of these old like churches or old uh, architectural beautiful buildings, you'll find um, these like Tudor roses just sort of like dotted and carved into the architecture. And obviously that was a way of uh, Henry Tudor sort of laying to ground everything now, laying to rest this war between his families, being like, you know, it's done now. I'm the king and I own both you shit. Like, just calm the fuck down. And it is, it is fascinating that you can see it in the architecture of places that were built in his reign. So this is me again now. My brother hasn't written this bit. Well, everything from now is me. Henry VII was sort of like an OG Tory because he was really good at setting the country up financially. He put a lot of effort into English exports, ensuring that this was done via English ships. Um, he also oversaw the finances himself as opposed to financial ministers. And he did a lot of that, uh, overlooking Parliament and sort of doing everything himself. But it sort of, it seemed to work. And Henry was in a great place. Henry, England, was in a great place financially by the time he died in 1509. And he was succeeded by Henry VIII. <clears throat> um, we have a whole episode on the big man himself, so please go listen to that because I won't go into much detail here. In short, he was famous for his ruthlessness with separating and sometimes executing his wives for failing to give him a son or cheating on him. Um, he created the Church of England, enabled to get a divorce, uh, because the Pope wouldn't give him, uh, give him permission and he just spent a fuck ton of the money his father left him on parties and that oh, sort yeah. of stuff. Uh, we do go into a lot more detail about his youth upbringing, sort of cool facts about him and his wives during the longer episode, so do go and seek that out. Uh, he's definitely England's most famous king, probably because of his way with, his, way with women, yeah. I guess. He passed away in 1547 and was succeeded by his son, Edward VI. Oh, interested you. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, because Henry VIII had a son. Most people are like thinking he he didn't, which is why he was ruthless with his wives. No, he had a son. However, Edward was very sickly and succumbed to the same fate as his mother Jane Seymour when he perished from tuberculosis at the age of 15. So he was a young boy. Yeah. The most notable thing he did was attempt to remove his half-sisters, Mary and Elizabeth, from their right to the throne and instead give it to Lady Jane Grey. Mm. On the 10th of July, 1553, Lady Jane Grey took the throne. She sat on the throne until July 19th, 1553, a total of nine days. 
the shortest reigning monarch ever. A power struggle had emerged and Mary reclaimed her position and became queen. Was she Bloody Mary? So, uh, she was Bloody Mary, yes. So if we completely ignore Lady Jane Grey, like most people tend to do, Mary I was the first queen of England because all the way up until now, part one, halfway through part two, whatever, we have only just got our first female ruler. Yeah, man. Mary, nicknamed Bloody Mary, was unhappy with her father's creation of the Church of England and tried to undo this by persecuting Protestants. Many were killed and many fled. Bodies would hang, people were executed and many were burnt at the stake. It was sort of just a pretty grim time to be alive if you were a Protestant and we sort of covered this a little bit in the Guy Fawkes episode. The once popular queen was now hated even by her husband. And after an unsuccessful war in France, where England lost Calais, its last land in French territory, she was pretty fucking depressed and she didn't have any children. She died in 1588 and was succeeded by Elizabeth I. Um, We cover Elizabeth a bit in our Bonnie Prince Charlie episode. This is where everything sort of starts tying together. Um, So go and check that out. As opposed to Mary, Elizabeth was a Protestant. Elizabeth was awesome, to most people anyway, uh, she was fairer on Catholics than Mary was on Protestants, at least for a while. And whilst there was a lot of beef with Mary, Queen of Scots, Elizabeth accepted that Mary St. James could become King of uh, England and Scotland, unifying the countries. Elizabeth successfully halted the Spanish Armado, who were coming to make England a Catholic country once again. Um, she did a lot, and she's probably another one that's worthy of a full episode, but those were just sort of some general key facts yeah. on her. And on Elizabeth, obviously just mentioned the Spanish Armada, uh, one of the... Uh, one of the guys who was involved in that was uh, Sir Francis Drake, who we had an episode on. So if you wanted to know about Sir Francis Drake and his involvement in the Spanish yep. Armada, check that out. Absolutely. it all, I loved it. This is where it all starts tying together. This was why I did this episode, <laughs> because I wanted other episodes to tie together. Yeah. And so you can sort of see where they fit on the timeline. But unfortunately, we haven't really done anything before this point. We need to... Uh, well, one day, I've, I've said how we're going to like try and create a timeline of our episodes and how they link and it's just we're gonna look yep. like you know that meme of charlie day from uh yeah, yeah. <laughs> cigarette gonna, in hand yeah sh- string all over the wall our listeners may be listening to this episode be like oh wow yeah that's where it connects the dots are connecting it all connects especially with english power everything is like a domino effect into something else so elizabeth died in 1603 And as promised, James VI of Scotland also became James I of England, unifying the countries and beginning what we now know as Great Britain and the United Kingdom. I won't lie, everything he did during his reign is ridiculously political, and as I was reading it, my brain sort of died. Yeah. Um, He didn't really get English politics, and therefore he had a fair bit of beef with the House of Commons and Lords. So instead, let's focus on another area of his life, books. He was fascinated by witches, as I mentioned earlier when talking about Shakespeare, and he wrote a book called Demonology, where he attempted to prove the existence of witches. Um, He also oversaw a new version of the Bible translated into English, which we now know as the King James Version, which I think is the one we still use today. I believe so. I wouldn't know. No, neither. (laughs) Someone help us out. Uh, He died in 1625. His son Charles became Charles I. Charles was a super important king, but my God, was it dull to read, so I've bite-sized it. If you have any questions, please consult the internet. 
Charles <laughs> basically ignored Parliament. He married a French Catholic woman without their agreement and put in place more taxes without their say-so. He dismissed their complaints and ruled without a Parliament. Tyranny. When he recalled them because he needed help, he then attempted to arrest some of their leaders and a civil war broke out. Oliver Cromwell, a very important man, mm. led an army against the king and defeated him. Charles tried to reclaim the power a couple of years later, but he was defeated and subsequently executed. A little fun fact about him, the Cavalier King Charles Spaniel, the dog, is named after him due to the ears looking like his hair and he was also painted with them. Oh, uh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense, yeah. And, and they're like, aren't... Yeah. Uh, sorry for the spoilers that you're about to mention, obviously, the English Civil War. Um, they're all depicted as having, like, long hair that looks mm. like a dog's ears, aren't they, in drawings? Yeah, just proper little, like, floppy dog ears. Okay, so I'm about to piss off every historian in the world <laughs> because I'm not going to talk about the English Civil War. Oh. What followed was Oliver Cromwell being Lord Protector after the Civil War. Um, so England was a republic for 11 years, which means we didn't really have a monarchy. Bizarre. Because this is because this is an episode about monarchs, I'm going to completely overlook Oliver Cromwell. No, that's fair. And Richard Cromwell, who potentially uh, will be covered in future episodes, because it is fascinating oh, for, for sure. eleven years. For sure, absolutely. We, we the the monarchy just wasn't there. He's not. He wasn't a king, um, and also he got rid of mince pies. <clears throat> yeah. So this is the thing. He it was a bleak time to be English because Christmas was banned. He closed theatres, and basically being happy was a crime. And I wish yeah. I was joking when I said that, but that is literally <laughs> the state of the country it's for eleven true. years. It's true. <laughs> and then and then. Weirdly, that's when like America, the the country, started to get real big because like all the fucking miserable people, religious nut jobs, were like, "Listen, we need somewhere to go where we can be miserable. Let's go to the new mm. world." <laughs> and then yeah. Puritans, Puritans went to America with their fucking was it the Mayflower? Is that the famous boat? I believe so. Yeah. And then they were like, "Ah, oh, this looks like a good place to be miserable. It's raining. Yes, <laughs> this is where we will make tents." <laughs> So yeah, that fascinating part of history that I won't go into right now. Sorry to my brother who's listening to this and just punched his desk. <laughs> anyway, Charles II came to the throne in 1660 and we entered what is known as the Restoration Period. He undid all of the sad things that Cromwell had done. During his reign, the Great Fire of London happened, which is just the one fact that I picked out for some reason. And he died in 1685 and was succeeded by James II. We cover this a hell of a lot in our Bonnie Prince Charlie episode, which annoyingly mm. I was looking for my notes for because I keep all my notes on a Google Drive and for some reason they're not there, which I was really pissed off because that would have saved me a lot of time. But basically, he attempted to push Catholicism on the country and it didn't really go well. His daughter Mary was a Protestant and her husband William of Orange, a Dutchman, hey. invaded the country to overthrow him. James was abandoned by his army and fled the country, and thus William and Mary took control in 1689. This triggered a lot of events in Scotland, so please do go listen to the um, Bonnie Prince Charlie episode. It's one of my favourite ones I've ever written. I think it's fascinating. Throughout their reign, there was a lot of trouble in Scotland from the clans, and William was probably responsible for the Glencoe Massacre, where Highlanders were murdered while offering hospitality, mm. which was a big no-no. Uh, and he died in 1702. Wait, hold Anne, on. Mary... When, is, when is when is massacring people not a big no no? I mean, that's a very valid point. <laughs> like, oh, that was a big no no. It's like, oh yeah, so you did it on a Wednesday. Ugh. 
Yeah, that's a very bad... Don't massacre people. No. <clears throat> Anne, Mary's sister, took control of the country. She was the last Stuart monarch and notably agreed a pact with Spain about the sale of thousands of African slaves for 30 years. I really wanted to get that in there because at this point it makes it seem like the English monarchy is all like, oh, this is amazing, pageantry, war, blah, blah, blah. Like, it was fucked. They were selling thousands and thousands of African slaves Whoa. at this time. Like, that is... like, And obviously, slavery is an undercurrent throughout the entirety of all these monarchs, uh, I think as far back as Elizabeth the first because we mentioned in our sir francis drake episode that he partook in at least uh, that we know of at least one uh exhibition transporting and selling slaves um mm. so this goes back as far as the tudors so yeah there's a history a long dark history yeah it's not good which is one of the reasons why i don't know i'm whether you're a monarchist or not there's one of the arguments that why the monarchy should be abolished because it is built on the back of slavery and genocide and yeah all that not nice stuff so <clears throat> she died in 1714 after a short illness george of hanover took the reins he was a protestant and was very well liked by the whigs who was the political party in power they quickly got him on the throne however he couldn't speak english and no one here could really speak german brilliant so everyone just spoke in french Oh, okay. Yeah, makes sense. <clears throat> That's the workaround. Um, I say this is a little side. You'll probably notice soon these snippets are getting shorter and shorter because, in honestly, in my opinion, the monarch monarchs were getting sort of like less interesting, and I didn't really want to just dive into the political landscape of the country because that, fuck, that's too much. No, listen. The the point of the episode, remember, <clears throat> was to talk about every single British monarch. <laughs> yeah, and you've done so. so. It's, it's, this this is the thing. It's around this time where like Parliament is so much more powerful than the monarchy. So everything that happens in this country mainly is down to Parliament. And this is not an episode on Parliament. So. Um, am I right in thinking at this point as well? We have we now have a constitutional monarchy at this point in history. I believe so. So the the kings and queens don't necessarily have much power or sway in what necessarily goes on. It's more now Parliament is very much in control. Mm-hmm. So they just have to sort of say and do whatever <clears throat> they asked. Pretty much, that's basically what our queen does now. She just nods. I was, I was, um, <clears throat> I was talking to my family last night, who are not very clued up with uh, <laughs> um, things that are going on in the world currently, um, and they were talking about the queen uh, and how, like, sh- why has she not done anything about Boris Johnson? And I was like, well, because she can't. And they couldn't quite grasp or understand why the Queen wasn't allowed to do anything about Boris Johnson. And I was like, she's not allowed to engage in any political affairs in the UK at all. She cannot get involved. She cannot make comments. She cannot do anything. But if there has to be a government, the Prime Minister has to go to her and ask permission to make a government, even though she's not allowed to have any say in what the government does. And if they want to resign, they also have to ask permission from her to resign. And it's like, they were like, what? So you can't make a government without asking the Queen to make a government, but she's not allowed to have any say or anything to do with that government. I was like, yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh-huh. It's, uh, it's all a bit this, stupid. This is why the argument of like, when people are like, why can't the Queen just take control? Because that would cause another civil war. 
Yeah, and it's like, you know, you see all these things where they're like, oh, the Queen technically still has the power to, like, uh, declare war on any country. And it's like, yeah, technically she does, but she'd never be able to do it because Parliament would then be like, no. Yeah, exactly. It- and people say that all the army just answers to her so she could get them to go and kill all the politicians. Like, that's not that's not true. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm sure some parts of the army answer to her, but some of the parts will just be like, well, no. The Queen now is a product of what we're talking about now in terms of all these monarchs that we're talking about currently everything that they've had to go through in terms of this fight and this struggle against parliament the queen is now a product of that where the monarchy has very much lost and it now just sits in its castle uh like a peacock and just sort of walks around and parades the ground every now and then and everyone takes pictures of it and they have no authority necessarily they have no real power they just sort Mm. of prance around that's Mm. it which is a Course big argument as to why we ought to get rid of them. Yeah, I mean, it is true. So, George died in 1727 and was succeeded by his son, George II. His interest in politics was low, but he was on the throne during the Jacobite Rebellion in Scotland. And this saw an end to the Stuarts attempting to get their throne back. Fort George was created in his name in Scotland after the Battle of Culloden. And this was sort of intended to stop more uprisings, but none ever happened scotland sort of chilled out george died in 1760 succeeded by his grandson also george these people are really fucking imaginative original aren't they in the market for investment worthy bags watches and fine jewelry rebag is the answer rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity use rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands including louis vuitton chanel and cartier head to rebag.com to get five percent off your first purchase with code rebag new shop today at rebag.com that's r-e-b-a-g.com and use promo code rebag new for five percent off your first purchase everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems but getting therapy has its own problems problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. George III, here we go. This is the king the Americans have been waiting for. This is when America becomes relevant in the eyes of England. King George was on the throne during the War of Independence when the ungrateful colonials wanted to break away from the monarchy and form their own government. (laughs) I've made this paragraph to try and piss off as many people as possible. Do you know what? One of my favourite... Do you remember, remember Little Britain? Mm-hmm. For anyone who didn't know, obviously in America you may be aware of this because uh, they tried to do a USA version. Uh, there was there's two writers, comedic writers, uh, Matt Lucas and David Walliams. They created a series called Little Britain where they just stereotyped you know, English people. Uh, and in their opening credits, they've got... Um, uh, I forget the name of the gentleman. He played the Doctor once. Um, but um, he... It's a voiceover for it, and they talk about how they talk about the Americans and how we only we only uh, let them win the War of Independence because they threatened they would cry and tell someone. 
<laughs> and it's like when you're trying to like when you're fighting with your siblings and they're like i'm gonna go tell mum and you're like shut the fuck up shut up <laughs> <laughs> oh america um so i don't know what americans learn in their schools about the war of independence i don't know if you did ryan but we didn't really do it in our school no not a, not a lot although listen if i could just rant for a second right is not the whole point Please of do. the war of independence you were bitching and moaning because we were taxing you even though they said there's no tax without representation right um you guys ran yourselves uh, listen i don't know fully so i'm probably going to get this wrong so i apologize now this is just i'm thinking off the top of my head and i probably shouldn't be doing it because i've done this before in the previous episodes and we've actually cut stuff out so <laughs> this may get cut um <laughs> um but, like, we had, like, support for you and an army just backing you and all this kind of stuff. And we sold you a lot of shit and all this kind of stuff. And as far, as far as I'm aware, for the most part, you guys were kind of fine with that. And then when we were like, well, no, come on, tax, please. We need some money back. He's like, no. What do you mean, no? What do you mean, no? Like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, no tax about representation. But, like, you guys running yourself. And I suppose, okay, if you don't want to declare a tax because you don't have an MP. Maybe maybe that was the problem. You didn't have an MP over in somewhat. But, like, you know, you could have sent one. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm not qualified to talk about this. No, Ryan's getting angry at America again. <laughs> I just, I just, I don't know. Listen, you were fine before. And then when it was like, is it to do with tea? And you were like, no, fuck off with your tea. I'm not paying for your tea. Although... I, to be fair, that one must have stung putting our tea in the fucking sea. Yeah. Like, how dare you? Yeah. How dare you? I think we've joked before about how, like, all the soldiers, all the British loyalists were just jumping in the Hudson River, just drinking it at that point. Um, <laughs> but I, I think I've mentioned before as well how uh, in American, in, in the Americas, and I think this included Canada as well at the time, you were taxed by every letter. If you wanted to write write a letter or send it off, you were taxed for, like, every letter that got put in it as well. That's why we have such differences in our spelling. So like colour doesn't have a U in America or in Canada. Oh, that's fascinating. Because you were taxed for every fucking letter you put in it. And you were like, well, I don't need the U, so I'll just get rid of it. That is fascinating. Yeah, it is interesting. Mad. Um, So if you are an American listener and you went to school, I have no doubt you learned about the War of Independence. So I, I, again, I don't know how it was taught. Maybe you were taught that King George was a tyrant. I think that's sort of what might have been taught. And over here in England, there's sort of a consensus that King George didn't really give a shit. And I think that's to make us feel better about losing. Yeah. <laughs> Being like, oh, fine, fuck it, have it. Um, The truth is probably somewhere in the middle. It's never nice to lose something. And obviously he lost part of his empire. So that's not going to feel good. He's going to be pissed off about it. However, his power was little, and it was sort of Parliament who probably felt a lot worse about it. England was bitter about it, and I would say we've sort of definitely gotten over it yeah. now. And I think for both, our, I think for both of us, I mean, maybe we haven't. They're still weird. Our ancestors are just speaking through yeah. us at the minute. But for both of our sakes, in the, in the long run, it was probably for the best. Uh, you guys are doing doing your thing without us. We're doing our thing. There is definitely massive different cultures. Yeah, there is, isn't there? I, I, I don't. I think even if the War of Independence didn't happen, like America would have been part of the Commonwealth and then would have formed its own government anyway. Yeah. So I think at some point America would have been its yeah, own. I thing. think it would be like Australia and Canada. Yeah, exactly. Exa literally that. Well, well said. <clears throat> uh, however, the notion that America defeated England in a war is absolute bollocks. 
it was the colonists and the French who defeated the English, and I want to get this on fucking record, and some of the colonists would have been English. However, England would have won, probably, maybe, I'm backing myself here, without French intervention, as Ryan said. But what's really funny about this is that French saw America form its own government and have a revolution and thought, that's a fucking great idea, decided to go straight back home and have a revolution of their own, and that's when Napoleon happened. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, fucking hell. And then, yeah, the fucking guillotine went fucking mental. Yeah. So, (laughs) America's to blame for Napoleon and the French Revolution. So, if anything, Les Miserables is because of America. It is interesting when you think about how, like, some events and how they just sort of are a domino effect. It is crazy. It's all, It's all. as we said, it's all linked. I know we've just spent a lot of time bashing America. I think that's just, it's just banter. You know how uh, we've been just, mentioning, just good banter. we've been mentioning recently how for the first time, actually, in over two and a half years, we've been doing this now, that uh, our home listeners in the UK are overtaking the American listeners. I think after this episode, mm. it's going to go down to zero. Probably. But then the, the, the funny thing is, like, if someone gave me the opportunity to live in America, I'd snap their hand off. I'd love to. I probably would too. I'll be honest with you. I, 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 me and my partner have been speaking about it and uh, it's definitely on the table. Yeah, England's well boring. I don't know what you guys are talking but England's fucking boring. England, America seems like shit's going on every day and I just want to be a part of that. Anyway. Yeah, let's not this because this this could be a ten minute thing because I'm talking about like, it depends what you're looking at. I love my history, so if you want to stay in the UK, there's a fucking load of stuff to look at. But if you want to like, if you're looking in the future and you're looking at things that are going to happen and go on, maybe that's the way forward. I don't know. It's not what we're getting into right now. Who's the next monarch? So before we get onto that, I must have been really bitter whilst writing it because I wrote this little passage and it's from Come Dine with Me. Congratulations, <laughs> America, you won. I hope it makes you very happy. Good Lord, what a sad little <laughs> life. You ruined our empire completely just so you can have your own government. <laughs> Americans won't get that. I get yeah, it. We get it. Enjoy the money. <laughs> Got all the grace and decorum of a reversing dump truck with no tires on. Very good. On. Very good. Oh, come down. Anyway, let's move on before we offend anyone else. George died in 1820 and was succeeded by George the Fourth. Um, I did say to Ryan beforehand that if I didn't like a monarch or I found them boring, I'm just not going to talk about them. George IV, not a very interesting bloke. Let's gloss over him completely. He died in 1830. He was succeeded by William IV, and it was around this time Parliament and every blah, blah, blah was getting a lot more powerful, a lot more interesting. And this was around the time Robert Peeler was setting up the police force in, Ameri- in England, sorry. Um, the first sort of like recognised police force was called the Peelers. This was around this time. A little aside, I thought it was interesting. Mm. Um, So, alas, the monarchy begins its descent into pointlessness. He died in 1837, and along came one of the most famous monarchs of all, Queen Victoria. Yeah, the grandmother of Europe. Absolutely. What a a babe. This ushered in a new era, the Victorian age. England was going through the Industrial Revolution and was absolutely thriving if you overlook the hideous poverty and shocking work conditions. Victoria married her first cousin, Albert, who was German. There were yeah. eight assassination attempts on her life during her reign in which was she evaded really? them all. Yeah, she very, very good at evading being killed. She wow. had nine children with Albert, who she deeply loved. He was perceived as really boring. I think that might be unfair. I never met the guy. Victoria was the queen who purchased Balmoral in Scotland. So that's sort of the, the royal residence of Scotland. Because they did originally have Holyrood Palace in Edinburgh, 
but it was so central and a bit like a bit much she didn't like it so she put Balmoral like a lovely little country yeah. house Holyrood is very just there in the open it's smack bang in the middle of Edinburgh everyone can fucking it's basically like Buckingham Palace up north yeah um Albert, sure. I mean, Albert maybe was a bit boring or whatever, but he brought us the Christmas tree and penis piercings. Is that the Prince Albert? I didn't make that link. It's named after him, isn't it? I don't know why. Did the, did he pierce his penis? I, I don't know, but I really wish that were true. I really would like that to have been true, and I'd like it if when Victoria saw it for the first time, sort of just the, the gasp that would have come from that room. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to do some fact finding now. I want to know why it's called that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But he brought us the Christmas tree, and apparently it was uh, very common to just put open flame candles on Christmas trees, and uh, <laughs> fires during Christmas was very common. Yeah, that doesn't sound very safe. Christmas yeah. trees are famously quite dry as well. So, yeah, are you actually looking up where the Prince Albert Pearson is named after? Now? No, I wasn't. I can I can do if you want. Oh, or do you want me to rattle through the rest of Queen Victoria and you look it up? I'll look it up. Okay, so well, I'll, I'll, I'll rattle on. Victoria basically created what the monarchy is today. She engaged with a lot of charities, did a lot of waving to the public, you know, just sort of the shit that the Queen does. It became less about what it has been, invading places, looking all awesome. And it sort of just became about being a figurehead that people love. She'd visit places all over the country as our Queen does now. After Albert died at the age of 42, she was absolutely devastated and spent the rest of her life in mourning, which is why if you see images or whatever of uh, Queen Victoria, she's pretty much always in black looking miserable as fuck. Yeah. Yeah, it's always wearing black. After... And like, this is where Charles Dickinson is about, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, this is Oliver Twist area. Yeah, yeah. All the poverty. Yeah. Also, After 10 uh, years... Sorry to interrupt. Oh, sorry. I've, I've, I've found out... Um, now, oh, here we go. According to uh, uh, medicinenet.com, it is mm-hmm. the most common of uh, genital piercings in men. The name Prince right. Albert uh, is uh, for this piercing. It comes from the belief that Queen Victoria's husband, Prince Albert, had this penile piercing. No way. Yeah, yeah. And apparently wow. it's not as painful as a nipple piercing. I still wouldn't try it, but absolutely not. I'll take your word for it. Oh, can you imagine then the rattling when he was horse riding? It would just if you knock it funny, surely that hurts. It's just not worth thinking about. And at those time, hygiene wasn't very good. Did he just fucking get a pin or whatever and just jam it through? Why are we talking about Prince Albert's fucking knob piercing? What a weird dude. We all thought he's boring, and yet he's got like a chunk of metal just hanging out his knob. <laughs> Maybe Nine because kids. people thought he was boring, it'd be like this will show him. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he buys a Ferrari when he's 40. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, carry on. Yeah, Um, (laughs) Prince Albert had a piercing on his dick. Yeah, and then died at 42. Are they linked? Who knows? At (laughs) 10 years, she returned to the public eye and became Empress of India, because Colin is and all that. Um, Watch the TV series Victoria, if you're interested, or a really nice film is Victoria and uh, Abdul. And that's Judy Dench as Victoria in her later years. And it yeah. shows her really close friendship with a young man from India. It is honestly a lovely story. People were really jealous of him and hated him, but she absolutely adored him. Mm. Um, but in the end, after her death, he had to flee because obviously she wasn't around to protect him anymore. 
She died in 1901 after 63 years on the throne. That was the longest at the time a monarch had ever been on the throne. She has been outdone recently, but hey, good innings. Yeah, and it also shows like um, I I don't I'm not really kind of thought this through, but obviously like uh, as time goes on, these monarchy these monarchs tend to live longer to the point now Mm. where you may only get one monarch a generation like in 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 your lifetime. Whereas like we've seen before like wars of the roses you could have had four or five kings before you in 10 years you know before you even 30 mm. um yeah and i think I was it must have something... the other day actually because obviously the queen is probably about to pop a clogs bless her she's she's ancient <laughs> but then charles is what in his 70s late 60s yeah. so he won't be around for too long no. william is older than me he's in his 40s i believe so if life pans out how i intend it he'll also die before me and then I will die, or will die, with George on the throne if the monarchy hasn't been abolished by then. Yeah, and you could potentially get four monarchs. Yeah, so we could see a couple of coronations in our life. That's exciting for oh, someone, I'm sure. Yeah, I couldn't give a shit. A couple of street parties. Um, we can talk about abolishing the monarchy at the end of the episode. Um, but uh, do you think, obviously, <laughs> which I will do, um, <laughs> look forward to that, Uh Obviously, healthcare changes and evolves, and obviously these monarchies, these monarchs live longer because the healthcare is better, right? Oh yeah, just look at Prince Philip. Fucking hell, he was dead about three years before he actually died. <laughs> yeah, he actually died five years ago, but <laughs> they've just been injecting him with whatever adrenaline, probably. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. God bless the NHS, even though they definitely have private healthcare. Yes. She, the Queen's just not sat in A and E on a Monday night, is she? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, my love. Your uh, your broken arm is not high on the uh, high on the list here. You have to wait <laughs> four hours. Where am I? Edward the Seventh took the throne and attempted to carry on Victoria's legacy of visiting places and being a figure uh, figurehead. His surname was Saxe Coburg Gotha, very German, and he was the only monarch with that name. Well, we'll get onto why in a sec. He was a very loved king. He died in 1910 and was succeeded by George V. George V was the king throughout the First World War and changed the name Saxe-Coburg-Gotha to Windsor, which is what the monarchy has now, because whilst at war with Germany, it wasn't really great to have a German surname for our king. Mm. Even though they German ancestry, our monarchy now is German lineage. So, yeah. Well, if you look at the monarchy throughout, the fucking hybrid of nations. Yeah. Um, he visited France a few times during World War One, and um, after that he sort of helped Parliament with their troubles. He, he was a cool guy, cool king. Yeah, he seemed like a cool I guess. dude. Um, I, just briefly, because you mentioned World War One, and I mentioned as well that Victoria was the grandmother of Europe, was what she was known as. So, just to, like, it's almost War of the Roses-esque, World War One, in that they are just one big family fighting each other. But this time it's mm. globally. So, Tsar Nicholas of Russia during World War One, his wife, I believe, was or he no, his yeah, his wife was like a granddaughter of Victoria. Uh, yeah, I did read this. They were linked. Wilhelm uh, of Germany, the Kaiser, was also a grandson of uh, Queen Victoria, and then of course uh, her grandson was King George during the First World War as well. And whilst tens of thousands of young men were slaughtering each other on the battlefield, uh, King Willie and Nicky and George 
were all writing letters to each other about how they hoped the war would end soon so they can all meet up and have a little jolly old time. Just end the fucking war then, chaps. Yeah, it's mental. It's absolutely mental that this was going on. And you just think, if you were a soldier back then and you found that out, you'd just lose all morale, surely. Mm. What was the point? Family beef. Anyway. So, um, where was I? Here I was. Here, George V died in 1936 and was succeeded by Edward VIII. Oh. Um, son of George V. Yeah, here we go. He was on the throne for under a year. He was romantically involved with an American divorcee, and with her being a divorcee, he couldn't be with her as the rules of the monarchy at the time. So he decided to abdicate, give up the throne to his brother, um, and he would marry the love of his life. And that sounds really romantic, and you're probably thinking, what a really nice guy. Well, I'm going to ruin it for you. He was a supporter of a bloke called Adolf Hitler. <laughs> um, and he's also pictured with him. If you go and look up pictures, he is standing next to Hitler. Yeah. Big whoops. But everyone's saying, oh, no, it was just Hitler in his early days when no one really knew what he was doing. In 1937, George went to Hitler's fucking house in Germany and just had dinner with all the fucking boys, like Goebbels, like the lot of them. Yeah, and you're going to tell me that at no point during that dinner was how the Jews rule the world was not brought up. No, it's, it's fucking... It got so serious to the point where our Secret Service had to fucking keep an eye on him. Yeah. Because there was every chance that he was a Nazi. It was. It's crazy. There's also like loose rumours that he sort of helped Hitler invade Paris and sort of helped him plan it and stuff. I can't, I'm not going to confirm that. Uh, yeah, but I, I wouldn't. Them's the rumours. I wouldn't be so sure on that. I wouldn't be so sure on how much power he would have had with that. But um, there was thought that uh, even after Edward abdicated, um, he would be reinstated by Hitler if an invasion of Britain went successfully and he would run. So apparently. Yeah, the grand plan was to install him as king again and England would then be allies with the Nazis. That was the plan. Yeah, yeah. how mental is that? And this guy, you know, just as king, was like, yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> yeah, one of our monarchs was a Nazi. Mental. There you go. They don't tell you that in school, do and they? And Harry, you know, he's just, he's just, you know... And then Harry dressed up as a Nazi yeah. in Las Vegas, but that was because he was having sex with prostitutes or whatever. Keep, so yeah, keeping his uncle's his great 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 uncle's legacy alive. Exactly, and people think what Prince Andrew is doing is the worst thing that the monarchy's ever done. Well, I don't know. I think they're. Well, listen, I'm not saying either one's worse or not, but they're pretty much on par as being like bad. I mean, they. Are, I would argue that being a Nazi is a little bit worse. I'm not underplaying the severity of what Prince Andrew has done, but yeah, if. King Edward was a fucking anti-Semite who was all for the Holocaust. My God. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. I don't think... We're, bit of controversy yeah, yeah, for you. Sure we could talk about it too much because he has denied all allegations, of course, and he's going to call... Oh, fuck off. Like, I'm, I'm going to talk about it. He's a fucking sex offender. I don't care. <laughs> he's going to go to jail. If, if, he wasn't, if he wasn't guilty, why would the Queen remove him of all his titles? It is very fishy, isn't it? And the man says he doesn't sweat, but there's pictures of him literally sweating. What really went wrong for him is when he did that fucking public interview. Yeah. Why? Why would you do that? He made it so much worse for himself. I think he just thought... I think he thinks he's a lot smarter than he actually is. Yeah, he thought his family would get him out of it, but... And I think he's come to the fucking quick realisation that the monarchy don't have as much power as he thought. Yeah. Nanny can't get... Oh, it's not nanny, is it? It's mommy, mommy. can't get you out of this yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, mummy. 
Oh dear, Andy, what have you done? Anyway, King George VI, the stuttering king. If you've seen the king's speech, this is your guy. A man who suffered with a stammer and public speaking. He famously undertook speech therapy and was the king who spoke to the British public throughout World War II. His relationship with Winston Churchill probably wasn't massively friendly, but they also had great respect for each other because they were both pretty good at what they did, especially during the later stages of the war. Uh, even with the Blitz, he refused to leave London and was a great figurehead for the British people. So thank God that his brother wanted to marry a divorcee because this could have all been very different. Yeah, it really could. During his reign, the the transition of the empire into the Commonwealth accelerated. So nowadays, England doesn't have an empire we have a commonwealth, which is just a fancy word for empire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair. Just to make it sound a little less murderous. Yeah, more palatable, isn't it? He died in 1952 and was succeeded by his daughter, Elizabeth, Queen Elizabeth II. We have got a whole episode on her, so do go check it out. Our glorious leader, lover of corgis, hard worker during World War II. Did she hate Diana? Does she still love Prince Andrew? Who fucking knows? But she's still alive and she's still kicking. And for some reason, everyone loves this old woman. Um, she is the longest reigning monarch of all time. And we're set to celebrate her platinum jubilee in February to celebrate 70 years on the throne. Wow. All I give a shit about is we get a day wow. off. I don't. Well, sucks to yeah. be you. <laughs> And that's it. If you have genuinely made it to the end of this episode and listened to part one as well, kudos to you. You're our friend. Because I've made no secrets over the fact that I fucking hated writing these last two episodes. <laughs> yeah, no, you've not hit, not hit it very well. Uh, yeah, no, if you've made it through both parts, uh, give yourself a pat on the back. You've earned yourself a biscuit. Go and have your favourite type of biscuit. Mine is a bourbon. Um bourbons are nice you know what i'm really looking forward to just writing a normal episode again that's gonna be wonderful <laughs> just picking one person I, I'm, I'm doing mormons rowan asked for mormons oh nice she's We're getting mormons. mormons excellent excellent i don't know who yet but she's getting mormons nice. um now if we can indulge me for sort of uh, a few more minutes i would like to talk about the abolishment <laughs> of the monarchy uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is the episode that fucking gets this whole podcast cancelled we've said some mad yeah. stuff um, now listen I understand that uh, the monarchy is supposedly brings in X amount my argument for abolishing the monarchy is not a factor of finances because it's been proven time and time again that uh, for every penny that we put in in terms of taxpayers covering the monarchy they actually make it back I think it's like twofold or something um in terms of their lands and all this kind of stuff, they actually make back and give back that money to us. It almost pays for itself. So my issue with the monarchy is not financial. Um, my issue is just uh, the point of a said monarchy. Like, uh, at the point, like we spoke about earlier on, at the point where it became a constitutional monarchy, where the king and queens no longer actually had any sort of power or say in what, how, or in how the country was managed, they've just become a glorified council estate family. Um, they have like what is the point? They're no different to me in the sense that I grew up in a council house. Uh, I was my home was given to me by the council, as was theirs. Do you see what I'm saying? Like it's state yeah, yeah, owned, yeah. They, like, they it's owned by the country or by the state, but she's not technically an employee of the government of the time. So. They were just born into privilege. They were born into privilege, and they have no... They didn't earn it. And also, I think I've mentioned this before, 
their power comes from their religion. And now, if you don't share that same religion, what basis do they have to stand on? Mm. Like, I, I don't share your God, so... You're telling me that you're a queen because you're anointed by God and God has given you that position. Well, I don't necessarily believe in your God, so I don't necessarily believe in all the power that you base it on. Um, I just don't think we need it. And also, listen, they talk about how having the royal family, because obviously everyone's obsessed with the royal family. When was the last time anyone actually saw one of them in person? Like, It's very rare that you actually get to see... I never have. Exactly. You've never met... I've met Charles, but that's because I actually went to Buckingham Palace where he goes sometimes, and it just happens to be there, right? <laughs> Other than that, when, when are you ever going to meet one of these royals? You're not. It's very unlikely you will ever meet one. So to tell me that having them there is good for tourism is bollocks, because... I'm not joking. If you go by Buckingham Palace in centre of London, like a- any day of the week, you take your pick. Any day of the week, there will be thousands of people stood outside it taking pictures, totally unaware that the Queen it's is just not busy. there. Yeah, a-, a trick for tourists: if the flag is at its highest point, she's home. If it's not, she's not there. Yeah, and I think it's like if the Union Jack is flying, she isn't in. If the Union, if the if the stand, was it the Royal Standard is flying, she's there. Now the Queen famously doesn't go mm. to Buckingham Palace anymore. She pretty much lives in Windsor. Um, so if you want to go anywhere, go to Windsor. But even then, what's like Windsor's really nice as well. It's a what, nice town. It's beautiful. Windsor, Windsor, the town and area is really nice. The castle is beautiful. I've been round it. It's very very nice. But I didn't go to Windsor Castle because I was hoping to get a glimpse of the Queen in like her, like just in her nightgown, just sort of wandering around getting a cup of tea. No, you went for the building. I went for the building, right? And that's what I think most people do. Um, I just don't see the point. I don't get the point. And I think after the Queen passes away, I think that should be the point at where we decide: do we do we still want to have a monarchy anymore? And I I genuinely believe that we shouldn't have one. I don't listen. I don't think it's a bad thing. I just don't think it's a, a, a useful, relevant thing. Um, I mean, the hilarity of it is it all comes down to who's in power in Parliament as well, because if the Tories are in power, which they are, they, they'll never, ever even consider removing the monarchy. But say someone like Corbyn was in power, I, I think there would have been a referendum about abolishing the monarchy after uh, Liz dies. Yeah. Yeah. And then... And it'd be fucking fascinating to see the, the votes of that. It would I, I don't think we would. I think if there was a vote, a big referendum of the country, I don't think we would. I don't think it's ever going to happen. Uh, I, I just don't. I don't see the point. I don't see the point at all. Um, yeah, I th- I'm pretty much dry now. I'm out, I've dried up. I'm out. <laughs> That's fair. It's uh, the history of the monarchy is fascinating, like absolutely fascinating. But it it has run its purpose now. It used to be so important. But now it's not. It's not what it used to be. And also, if we did get rid of it, we wouldn't be like Cromwell and just ban everything fun. The country would function exactly the same as it is now. Yeah, it really would. It wouldn't change a thing, except there wouldn't be anyone occupying Windsor. Turn it into a big old council estate. I've heard rumour that it, uh, Buckingham Palace will become a Weatherspoons. The bar, oh, mate. Can you imagine? I mean, toilets at Spoons are always really far away anyway. Can you imagine the toilets there? Yeah, at least there's lots of them. That's actually a really good idea. They'd have to get rid of the carpets, though, and put in the classic Spoons carpets. It's a bit sticky. Yeah, and like weird patterns. So, yeah, that's, that's a, uh, yeah, I think that's a great that's idea. my two cents on monarchy. Uh, well, honestly, this has been fascinating. Generally, it's just as a, as, as a historical document. You know, it's been fascinating to break down uh like what is it how much how long was it? it's like a thousand years nearly 
Or just over? I believe we started in the 900s. Yeah, so just over a thousand years of British history in their monarchies. It's an interesting way of putting it, actually, Like, because so much happens. But if you just boil it down to who represented the nation at this particular point, you know, yeah, I don't, I don't suppose you have off the cuff the number of monarchies that you've covered. Uh, Got to be in the 30s. Tell you what, you talk about next episode or do the socials or something while i count all right uh so next week or next episode i'm gonna stop saying next week because it never really happens it very rarely happens next episode uh we're doing uh we're talking about a guy called Derek cora um oh, yeah. <laughs> now this is a guy Derek cora is famous in the uk for being a spiritual medium this guy talks to ghosts or does he uh, it is a bad episode, and the reason I put it in the bad episode is because I find that people that do this are con men, um, and this guy is definitely found out at least twice in his career. So next week we're talking about Derek Okora, a man who famously speaks to dead people, or does he? Um, this episode was purely uh, based on my wish to create a, a graphic image of him in a candle. <laughs> that was it. I was like, I've got to do it. I want to write it now. So, yeah, look forward to that. It will be interesting, of course, uh, to talk about ghost spirits and whatnot. We've done an episode way, way back on... Um... Oh, James, you'll have to remind me now. Who were the... Uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren. Uh, we, didn't, oh, yeah. we did an episode yeah, yeah. way back when, in the early days of the podcast, on Ed and Lorraine Warren and stuff like that. So, we've not... I don't think we've actually spoken about ghosts much since then. Uh, so everyone loves ghosts. Everyone loves ghosts, and we are non-believers. So this will be fun. So yeah, ne- that'll be a good episode. Next week we're talking about Derek Cora. Uh, so join us for that. That will be fun, I think. Uh, make sure you follow us on all the socials. Uh, the usual stuff. Now, if you don't know it by now, um, I don't know. You probably won't follow it anyway. But uh, if you just type in that's WPD on Instagram, you'll find us there. Uh, it's probably the best place to get to hold of us. We're constantly on Instagram. Um, if you'd like to support the show, you can do so on our Kofi page. That's www.ko-fi.com forward slash that's what people do. Um, as I've mentioned time and time again, your donations uh, are what made this podcast happen uh, for the last year. It paid for the distributor so that we could continually put out episodes. So uh, if you'd like to continue to help us do that, uh, f- please feel free to donate to the show and it will all go towards things like that. We also have a merch store if you would like to put money uh, in towards something more tangible. Um, you can head to the merch store. We can pick up some really awesome t-shirts, some hoodies, uh, some mugs. Uh, as I've mentioned before, at some point soon, we're going to look into getting some like hats, maybe some beanies on the store. So, yeah, look forward to that um, and be sure to check those out. James recently got a TWPD hoodie and really enjoys it. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's nice. Check those out. Uh, do you have that number yet, James? Yeah, so I think I accidentally counted uh, people who were on the throne, got kicked off, and then restored it. So it's around 55. Wow. So about 50-odd monarchies, 50-odd kings and queens in a 1,000 years. Which doesn't seem that much, but I guess... No, I'm really shit at maths, but I guess, yeah, because if it was one every 100 years, that would have been 10. So it's like, I don't know. I'm not even going to attempt it. It, Numbers. (laughs) All right. Well, um, thank you very much for this, James. Uh, thank you for your sacrifice writing this. Uh, yeah. If anyone's still listening, well done you. Yeah. This isn't our usual format. <laughs> so tune into every other episode we've done ever. Yeah. 
All right, guys, thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Join us next week talking about Derek Okora. We'll see you then. Bye. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.